Hello, my name is Isaac Keith Martinez, and welcome to Isaac's Haunted Beard. Today we're going to talk about the film Mannequin 2, On the Move. Ooh, no, no we're not. Maybe a different day. No, today, actually, we're going to talk about some film highlights, movies I watched, in the months of January and February 2021. Yes, kids, ladies and germs, <laughs> we've done this before and here we are doing it again. I actually enjoy these episodes where I don't focus on just one movie and I just kind of lightly touch upon a bunch in one episode. It's fun for me. It, it feels like they're a little bit more loosey-goosey, you know? Not that the other films, uh, the other episodes feel like uh, like I'm restricted or anything, but but you have to admit these are a little bit more, um, you know, <laughs> anything can happen, right? So uh, let's start with January. I looked at my movie calendar and I wrote down some titles of some movies that I felt stuck out, either because uh, they're really good or just because I just wanted to talk about them for, you know, specific reasons. And, um, before I, before I move on to that, I want to tell you about a plan that I have that I actually already share on Twitter, but I'm sharing it with you right now. And that is this, <laughs> this plan is look, <laughs> I'm a huge fan of the Friday the 13th franchise. It's my favorite slasher movie franchise. I love Jason Voorhees. And there are 12 films in that franchise. And there are 12 months in a year. So instead of waiting for just that one magical day that all horror nerds wait for, that is Friday the 13th on your calendar just to watch a movie or 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 a handful of movies from that franchise. I've decided to reserve the 13th day of every month of this year from a main man, Jason. So on Friday the 13th in January 2021, I watched the original Friday the 13th. And on February 2021, I watched Friday the 13th part two. And I think this is a good idea. And I'm really happy that I made this decision. Something to look forward to. Something silly, but you know, why not have silly things to look forward to? We could all use some silliness, right? Which means next, this month, March. <laughs> yes. And this episode was actually recorded and published in March of 2021. So that means on the 13th of this month, I'll be watching Friday 13th part three. You know how it works. Next month is part the four and, and, and so on and so on. That's how it works. It's, it's pretty simple. There you go. <laughs> Let's move on. Okay. So in January, I watched Stop or my mom will shoot from the year 1992. And I had actually seen this movie one other time in my life. And that was in the year 1992 when I saw that movie in the theater. 
Can you believe it? No, but for real though, how many people do you know that can say they've seen Stop or My Mom Will Shoot in the theater? At the time, I remember it being me, not that good, not that bad, but not that good. But I barely remembered. I know I didn't remember any of the jokes, and I had not seen it since. But since then, that title has become such a popular joke that people like to bring it up whenever people want to name drop ridiculous titles of movies. So much so, I have this um, theory, it's not really a theory, but it's kind of a theory, <laughs> that people are trying to force that movie into becoming a cult classic. And I think that that uh, campaign, I don't know what else to call it, is based purely on its ridiculous title. Not because it's some sort of... Um, unrecognized gem of a, of a comedy. Not like it's one of those, it's so bad, it's good kind of movies. I think people are just so in love with that title. That and the fact that Estelle Getty is in it. Because as you know, the movie stars Sylvester Stallone as a police officer and Estelle Getty as his mom. And everybody loves Estelle Getty from the Golden Girls. And hey, a lot of people love Sly too. Uh, I love Sly. I like uh, I like Estelle Getty. I think they're both great. I like the idea of a ridiculous movie starring Sly Stallone and Estelle Getty. I think I like the idea of ridiculous titles. I'm all for being a fan of movies with ridiculous titles. But I think people are so um, determined to make this movie happen as a cult classic that they want to really push for it, so that you know they can buy the Blu-ray and justify having it on their shelf. And when their friends come over and they're like, oh, you have Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. And you're just like, you know me, I like the cult classics. And like, okay, well, this is, this is a, I am genuinely believe what I just said, that I think people are trying to make it happen. So I wanted to see for myself if this movie is in fact so bad, it's good. Cause I actually think I'm pretty darn good at recognizing trash for being diamonds in the rough. So I, I revisited stop and my, my mom will shoot. And in my opinion, uh, it's not so bad. It's good. It's just meh at best. It's just a plain bad comedy. It's nothing special. And I don't think it deserves to be a cult classic. That's just my opinion. And I, and of all the movies that I'm bringing up on my list today, I only wanted to bring it up because I watched it recently and I just wanted to throw in my two cents about this uh, unspoken campaign, which everyone's going to say, no, we're not trying to make that happen. But you know you are. Okay, let's move on, shall we? Let's actually move on to a movie that I really liked. It was a first-time watch. Actually... Let me look at my list here. I think these are mostly first-time watches. Yeah. From the year 2018 is a Swedish film called Border. Now I'm just going to give brief uh, plots here. I'm not going to spoil anything because I do encourage you to seek these movies out. They all carry my see you live approval. Tina is a customs agent and she has a very unique skill or talent 
she can sense guilt and shame, almost like smell it on people. And when people walk in to the, uh, you know, through the, I don't know what it's called, but you know what I mean? Like, it's actually not an airport. I think they're traveling on a boat. And when they come in, they have their luggage and she has to see if anybody's bringing in contraband and she can actually sense or smell who has it just based on like she can feel if they have guilt or shame and then she'll point people out and they check their bags and they're always she's always right they got contraband they're smuggling in things that they're not supposed to and tina has a very unique look to her i don't know how else to describe her she kind of looks like a neanderthal she has a very cave woman kind of face and then one day a man walks through her area where she's working who looks like her who looks like a male like neanderthal and she senses that he's carrying something so she pulls him aside and this is the moment that she meets for the first time in her life someone who looks like her and we later discover and this isn't a spoiler trust me there are some spoilers i could spoil and i'm not going to spoil them because it's not spoiling day did you know that it's not that's a different day that uh, he has the same skill that she has and she eventually befriends this person and through this friendship she discovers what she really is this is a fantasy film it's a drama it's really good uh you got to read subtitles i hope that doesn't bother you it's worth it it's called border and i want to give a shout out to my friend mike bland known on twitter at utah project for turning me on to this movie border you know most of the stuff i want to talk about are going to be february movies that i watched so i only have one other movie that i want to talk about for january and that is from the year 2020 the film gretel and hansel and this is a horror film but not really a traditional horror film it's like an art film it's beautiful it's so picturesque it's so atmospheric it's so gorgeous it looks it visually it's so stunning that's my favorite thing about the movie and i go into this movie thinking how are they going to stretch out this very short fairy tale is it a fairy tale whatever it's a kid's story you know what it is hansel and gretel but for whatever reason actually not for whatever reason gretel is the main character in this in this film and she deserves to have her name come first it would be weird if it was the other way around she really is the main character it is about her and you do get to learn so much about her and her brother and about the witch and i loved it and i would just imagine that people who didn't like it think it's slow and like not exciting but i'm telling you now it's not that kind of horror film it's it's like an art film it's very it's enchanting it's gracefully told i think it's wonderful so from the year 2020 if, you, if, if that sounds appealing to you check out Gretel and Hansel 
wow, speaking of witches, because, you know, Gwendolyn and Hansel has a witch. On We're, we're in February now, kids. <laughs> and on the very first day, on February 1st, I continued with this witch theme by watching Roald Dahl's The Witches. And this is not the 1990 version starring Angelica Houston. This is the 2020 remake, which I have to admit, I actually went into this expecting to not like it, trying to keep an open mind, but being convinced it would not work for me. And you wouldn't believe it, or maybe you would. I like, not only did I like it, I like it better than the, than the OG one. And a lot of it has to do with the grandma in the 2020 version being played by Octavia Spencer. And I should never forget how wonderful she is. She's such a terrific actress and she's so charismatic and she's so lovable. She's got great grandma energy and I loved her. And the, the ending of the movie was different than the other version because I never read the book. And I looked it up online and found out that the, the ending is more is faithful to the book. So, um, so it's appropriate that it ends the way that it does. And, you know, I, I want to bring up something that, that always kind of bugs me is that whenever a book is, um, based on a movie, yikes, I said that wrong. <laughs> Scratch that. Let's rewind. Whenever a movie is based on a book and then they make another movie later based on the same book, they call a second movie a remake when it's not true. It's, it's the same thing that the first movie is. It's an adaptation. The source material is a book, not the first movie. Therefore, it's not a remake unless it is, um, unless the source material is a screenplay. So there you go. But, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to fast forward to the ending of February, uh, <laughs> and I actually planned this on purpose. I thought it'd be kind of fun to have bookends to the, to the month where the first day and the last day would be similar. So on the last day of February, I watched the witches of Eastwick and I had not seen the witches of Eastwick since I was a kid and it was fun. I liked it. Um, I didn't love it, but I, you know, it's, I don't really have specific complaints, but I guess I just want it to be slightly better, but but, for, you know, I forgive all that. Like, I could picture watch it, like the very next time I would watch it, it being better going, okay, I get it. You know, you, my complaints are so light. Like, you don't really know why the three women, uh, for the record, these women that I'm speaking of, the, the title characters of The Witches of Eastwick are played, as you know, or maybe you don't, by Cher, Susan Sarandon, and Michelle Fiverr. And it's never quite clearly explained if they're witches or why they're witches or how they're witches or how come they don't really know they're witches. And they seem to summon up a character that Jack Nicholson plays, which may or may not be the devil. So I guess my initial issue is that there seems to be some confusion about, about like why, you know, how, how is this happening? And, but you know what? I, I'm that very person who loves mystery. I like sometimes things not being explained. So, and then that, that can make something special. So I, I feel like 
my very own complaints would be squashed from the very next time I would watch this movie if I were to have the opportunity to watch it again. And I would just enjoy the visuals and the performances. Um, Jack Nicholson gives a very Jack Nicholson performance. You know what? I was thinking while I was watching this movie that if they remade The Witches of Eastwick today, and by the way, it wouldn't actually be a remake because The Witches of Eastwick is based on a novel, so it would be another adaptation. But still, just pretend whoever made the new film was heavily inspired by the first film to even want to make the new film, and they wanted an actor who had the same kind of devilish energy as Jack Nicholson for a new version of The Witches of Eastwick, who today is talented enough to bring that kind of magic to the screen. And I can only think of one name, Nicolas Cage. Think about how amazing that would be. Nicolas Cage as the devil in a new version of The Witches of Eastwick. Before I move on, <laughs> just because, you know, I do silly things. Just because I knew yesterday. Um, yesterday. <laughs> Yeah, okay. So when I recorded this, uh, that made sense. Just go with it. Uh, that On the last day of February, I watched that witch movie. I thought I would start March 1st with another witch movie. So on March 1st, I watched Practical Magic starring Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman. And Daniel Wiest and Stalker Channing. So there. And it was fun. I liked it. I liked it. I like to give a shout out to my friend Cindy Rose. One time I asked her, what's your favorite Sandra Bullock movie? And she said, Practical Magic. Yeah, we had that conversation about Sandra Bullock movies. And she said, what's yours? And I, I you know, <laughs> I feel a little guilty saying Demolition Man. Because, you know, that begs the question, does it qualify as a Sandra Bullock movie if she's not the lead? Because Sylvester Stallone is the lead and people would think of Demolition Man as a Sylvester Stallone film. Not a Sandra Bullock film, but she's the second lead. Or do you consider Wesley Snipes the second lead? If not, she's the third lead. Uh, let's move on, shall we? Back to February, right? I already skipped all the way to March, and this ain't even an episode about March. Uh, I, from the year 2010, I watched Wall Street. Money Never Sleeps. It is a sequel to the 1987 film Wall Street. Both films directed by Oliver Stone. Both films starring Michael Douglas. I always felt a little apprehensive about approaching a movie that is a sequel to a movie that came out a really long time ago. And um, I can tell you, I'm happy I finally watched it. Uh, better late than ever. It's really good. Um, and the timing was really good because when I ended up watching Wall Street, Money Never Sleeps in the news, that was when the whole GameStop thing was happening. So... It was a little influential in my decision to watch a movie about Wall Street. It really complements that first film really good. I think it's great. I also think it's really great that they chose to continue to tell the story of the Michael Douglas character from Wall Street and not the Charlie Sheen character. Um, also, I kind of like that now that I've seen it. I kind of like that it's a movie that took place many years later it just makes that world seem so real that you know because with movies you just know 
about one specific moment in a character's life, that moment that's told in the story of that film. But when you have a sequel that takes place so many years later and you see that same actor from the first film reprise the role and he's visibly much older, it really does feel like the character has lived a life and you really get to see like a big, a bigger scope of that character. So I actually, if you're a fan of the original film Wall Street, I'd say check it out. And if you've never seen that one, I'd say watch them both. They're both very good. They're dramas. They're cool. All right. From the year 2018, for the first time, I checked out a movie called Open 24 Hours. And it's a horror film. And I'm going to tell you not that much about it. But I'm, I'm going to tell you right off the bat why I watched it. I'd like to give a shout out to my friend Francine Walraven at Madame Walraven, who told me <laughs> that um, I have the same eyes as the killer in Open 24 Hours. And um, that inspired me to watch the movie. <laughs> I think that was meant as a compliment. Um, but briefly, what the movie is about, because it was good. It wasn't great, but it was good. It's about a... Um, uh, there's a killer who only kills when it rains and he has a girlfriend and he would always force her to watch him kill people. And she was so scared. She never really did anything about it, but he finally got put away and people blamed her like as an accomplice, like she, as though she was kind of like partly responsible for these deaths because she didn't know anything about it. But she was terrified. Anyway, She's trying to move on with her life. She has a hard time getting a job. Uh, but, you know, because she's like an ex-criminal. And uh, she got... Um, ah, I'm not going to give you all the details. Just watch it if you want. Basically, she gets a job at a gas station convenience store that's open 24 hours. That's why it's called that. And that night, her ex-boyfriend, not only does he break out but he tracks her down and she has to survive the night from her crazy killer ex and it's actually pretty fun check it out and apparently my eyes look like his eyes so i got that going for me um i love 80s movies and when i say that i don't mean specifically i do love all, all pretty much you know that entire decade but what I mean by that is I love 80s youth movies, which I mean movies where the main characters are teenagers or young adults and like the Brat Pack movies, you know, and I've seen pretty much all of them. So I've seen so many of them that there's there's very few that I haven't seen, but there are there are some still as a very, very little left before I've seen them all. There is a couple that I still haven't seen, and I don't know why it took me this long to finally see this movie, but I finally saw the 1983 film All the Right Moves, starring Tom Cruise as a high school football player. And it was really great because it was different than I thought it would be. Um, I just thought it'd be a generic movie where the underdog team, you know, uh, wins the big game at the end of the movie. But this movie does something very unique. The big game happens in the middle of the film. And I'm like, whoa, this isn't what I expected at all. This usually happens at the end. But because of this game and what happens at that game, it affects 
the lives of the players on that team. And it's, sh- and the rest of the film is about how they have to deal with what happened that night. So I'm not even going to spoil it. Check it out. I actually really highly recommend all the right moves starring Tom Cruise. Uh, I finally saw a movie called The Honeymoon Killers from 1970. And um, it's a movie that I've been wanting to see for a really long time because I have all these books about movie posters. Like I have these like coffee table books about like I've they're all about like different types of posters. Like some are, are different kinds of books for different genres and some of them for different decades. And I don't even remember which one this particular book, which which book this particular poster was. And I just remember that that poster is a poster I've been familiar with for many, many years because it's in one of my movie book post poster books. And I finally got to see it and I liked it, but it <laughs> about halfway through, I'm like, man, this feels very familiar. And um, as it turned out, I, I, I was familiar with the story because I had seen a remake called Deep Crimson, which is a Spanish film where it tells the same story again. So I was like, oh, wow. And it's very faithful. It's like this, it's t- told the same way. It's about a, um, a guy who um, responds to lonely women through like a Lonely Hearts Club kind of thing, like a writing that you write letters and uh, you respond to the letters of people that you're attracted to. And then he takes them on dates and stuff. And he only responds to people who are wealthy and he murders them and, and takes their money. But uh, one of the women he ends up trying this with is when he, he falls in love with. So he finally incorporates her into his plan and they collectively become the honeymoon killers. So that's worth checking out if that sounds um, appealing to you. Uh, I watched three movies I've seen before. And that is the three films about Dr. Moreau from 1932. Island of Lost Souls. And then the next day I watched the 1977 film, Island of Dr. Moreau. And the uh, the third day I watched the 1996 film, The Island of Dr. Moreau. And I think, you know what? That's the way to do it. <laughs> I think that doing it that way might sound exhausting to some people, but I thought it was a lot of fun. Watch it that way. If you ever feel inspired to watch them all, watch them all in a row, but a day apart. So you'd give each film the opportunity to have its own identity. Um, and I think that the 96 version, a movie that people like but don't love, like, they, you know, it's flawed. I do think it, time has been kind to it. And um, it's better than you remember it, especially the performances of Al Kilmer and Marlon Brando. I think they're really good. Also, there's a band. Remember that rap group House of Pain from the 90s? I love that first album. And the 1977 film has... Um, there's moments in that movie where you're like, hey, House of Pain sampled that in their album. So yeah, <laughs> the Dr. Moreau films. Uh, I almost thought about doing an episode just about the Dr. Moreau films, but then I realized I don't really know what to say about them. Maybe in the future, but I kind of doubt it. Finally, I'd like to end this episode by saying that I finally saw Sonic the Hedgehog in the year 2020, and I just watched it just to watch it, but I am bringing it up because I liked it. <laughs> I thought it was really good. It was cute and it was funny and Jim Carrey was great in it. And I remember thinking, um, because, um, you know, the whole pandemic thing and movie theaters got closed. And so Sonic the Hedgehog was one of the few movies that actually got to play wide, like a wide release in theaters as a joke in my mind, I'm like, Oh, because of that, you know, the Oscars, there's some pickings of what they can actually, uh, give nominations to some Jim Carrey will get nominated for his 
performance of Dr. Robotnik from Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> That's it. That was the only reason why I brought this up. I liked it. I don't really have any takes about it. I don't want to talk about the plot. I feel like you already know about Sonic the Hedgehog. But there you go. I hope you had fun spending time with me ramble. I hope you like these episodes. Tell me. Give me some feedback. I love feedback. If you don't, be honest. Say, you know, I prefer you stick to just one title per episode. And um, you never know. So I've been known to listen to criticism. Maybe I'll be like, okay, I don't want to like force people to listen to stuff they don't like. But if you do like it, let me know about that as well. Until next week, where we will talk about just one movie, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to take care of yourself, take care of each other. I really appreciate the time we spend talking about movies. I love it. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. Take care and aloha.